How you feeling? Man, what a great way to start the morning. And I hope for those of you in this room who actually feel loved by God, because sometimes when you actually feel loved by God, you just, you just can't wait to just tell him. It's like when you love anybody. When you're really in a good love relationship, man, you can't wait to tell somebody how much you love them. And that's how, why I think he gave us worship to be able to express our hearts. My guess is, if you're like me, that you might spend quite a bit of your time actually doubting God's love, which is crazy, but we do. And if you came in this morning, and if you're doubting whether God loves you or if you don't think he does, man, I, I hope you at least got a chance just to, to come into his presence this morning and get a taste that he does. And he, I just want to tell you, today's going to be a great day. It, I, I, it, just, it just is, because what I get to share today, this is the fun stuff, man. What a fantastic message that we're going to go through today. And I love, by the way, as we're talking about trying to get our life back, don't forget this phrase that you just sang when it said, I don't have time to think about these regrets when I think about how much he loves me. That's what I'm hoping to, will happen today. I'm hoping you won't even have energy to think about your regrets because of the amazing love for God. Well, I just want to tell you, man, I've, I've, seen, um, I've seen some good love going on this week. It was really interesting to sit down <clears throat> and to finalize this message um, after being at the hospital. I saw a lot of love in Jared and Stephanie Buckley, who loved on their little seven-month-old son, Noah. And Noah, it was hard to see, right, to see a seventh-old baby lying in a hospital with tubes all over the place. It's hard to know that your seven-year-old, seven-month, excuse me, seven-month-old baby has a hole in his heart. His heart's the size of a silver dollar, and this hole was almost the size of a dime. Now, they knew that, right? They knew something was wrong because they could see the symptoms. But I want to tell you what, man, when you see, and all of you, any of you who've had kids, how many of you have had kids be really sick? It's, it's crazy the love that you see in a dad and in a mom when you realize our son has to go to open heart surgery now to take care of this issue. I saw a lot of love um, in Tom Whitkey as he loved on his wife Mary. I walked into the, to the room. It was really hard to see Mary laying there, and she had these ports all over her head. And she's so sweet. She goes, yeah, I'm kind of looking like Frankenstein. It's hard when you're watching your bride. I should know how many years, but a long time, Tom and Mary have been married. It's hard knowing that there's bleeding going on inside her brain. And it's hard to know that there's a, that there's a blood clot that's actually wrapped around a tumor inside the one that you love's brain. That, that's, you see a ton of love. And they knew that something was wrong, right? Because they could see the symptoms. There was always something that helps them to know. It's like, man, we gotta get into the hospital. That's a lot of love. And so when we sing a song like, oh, how he, how God actually loves us. See, God sees all of you. He sees me. And he sees some symptoms too. So God's looking at us, and, he's, and he knows that our lives are hurting. He knows about the habits that you have right now that are literally destroying you, whether it's physically or emotionally or spiritually or relationally. Stuff is being destroyed. He knows those things. He sees it. He knows that you have hang-ups that are continuing to, to hinder you from fully living life. Oh, how he loves us. So I've seen the love. But then at the same time, while I was standing there with, with Jared and Stephanie, over little Noah's bed, 
I'm also amazed by the medical community. Anybody else? Can we just give a round of applause real quick to the medical community here? Oh my gosh. I, I am serious. Every time I visit a hospital, <laughs> I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the hours and the dedication that they've done. Because here's what we knew, right? There's this medical, and, and we're talking with Jared, and here's what we know. Noah's dead today. <laughs> He's just dead. Hey, is that you guys right there? Is that you? Stand up. This is Jared and Stephanie right here. I just want to say hi. This, guy's game. this is amazing you guys are here this morning. Um, anyway. So, but we're standing there, and Jared, and we're just talking, having this conversation. It's like, if it wasn't for these people in the hospital, we know Noah's just done. But because there are people who have understanding, they know what is true, and they've studied, and they have the skill to actually do something about it to bring healing. And here's what's amazing. Wednesday, right, is when the surgery was. I'm there 24 hours later, and Noah's just like, hey, you know, he's just like, and they were just the whole time going, what is going on? He's already home. Yeah. Noah's already home. I mean, it's just, it was, it was unbelievable. So Noah and Mary are getting their life back physically, and here's why. Because they're really dearly loved, and because there's someone who has the power to do something. And what we want to talk about today, again, in this whole series for these eight weeks, is that every human being is trying to get their life back in some way. And again, it doesn't matter if it's addictions to alcohol or drugs or, or pornography or whether you overspend or overeat or whether you just have emotional struggles with anger or bitterness in the past or whether you're captured by fear or anxiety or whether you just have relational patterns that seem to destroy every, whatever, you, we've, we've talked about all these, okay? We all have these symptoms that are showing us that something else is wrong. And last week, what we talked about is that we have to humble ourselves. We have to quit trying to take care of the situation ourselves. And I, when I was thinking about this, that'd be like looking at Noah, this little seven-month-old, and going, dude, just fix the hole in your heart. Right? Just patch that thing up. Come on, Mary. You've lived over 60 years. Can't you take care of the cancer in your brain? Right? I mean, is that not ludicrous? Yeah, it is. Um, but here's what's funny. As much as you know that you need an expert who can come in and take care of your physical body, when it comes to our heart, not our physical heart, but when it comes to our heart and our soul and the deep person that we are, for some reason, we think that we should be able to fix it. And that's where we looked at last week. And God, you guys listen to this, God does not expect you to make yourself better. Is that not good news? That, no, you, you need to understand how good that, that's really good news. He is not sitting there saying, if you would just be a better person, if you just try harder, if you just go to church more, if you just do the stuff, you could get over your addiction. You could stop being angry. You'd be a better person relationally. No. Last week, God was saying, would you just give in? Would you just humble yourself? I made you to be dependent on me. And so today, what we're looking at, last week was given, and today we're looking up. We're looking up. So here's what I want you to do. I, I made sure that everybody of you has a three-by-five card. And here's, here's what I'd love for you to do. So I was just reading my, my own just kind of personal time of connecting with God this week. And I got to John chapter 9, and it's the story of the, of the guy who was born blind. And he's born blind, and he runs into Jesus, right? 
And Jesus spits on some, <laughs> some dirt, makes some mud, sticks it on his eyes, and the guy's healed. And so everybody, all it says, all of his neighbors and the people of the community, they're like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, weren't you the guy who couldn't see, who was like blind? How did you, how, did, how, how can you see? And he's like, I don't know, some guy spit in the mud and stuck it on my eyes, right? I mean, literally, that's what he says. So then his parents are like, whoa, 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 wait, what happened to you? Some guy spit in mud, stuck it on my eyes. So then they go and they tell the religious leaders, and the religious, don't you love, here we go, remember? Religious, religious, and I'm not talking about real religion of being connected with God. I'm talking about human-made regulations trying to control everything. Those type of religious people, they take them to them, and they're like, hey, this guy got healed. And they're like, no, 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 no. Because that happened on the Sabbath. And if somebody actually heals somebody on the Sabbath, then they can't be of God. They must actually have a demon in them. I mean, this is just crazy, right? So they bring the guy in and they tell us, how did you, how did this happen? He goes, that, and, he, and he looks at the guy, and he says, because there's no way that this guy could have healed you because he's a sinner. And this is what the guy said. He goes, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. <laughs> Isn't that great? You guys figure all that stuff out. I don't just know this guy's spitting mud. I'm good, right? <laughs> I'd love for you to take your pen and on one side of the card, write, I was. I was. I read that story this week and all I could think of was, I want, I want a story. I do have a story. I wouldn't be standing here if I didn't. Right at the top, I was, and then at the right, bottom right, but now. And if you're a follower of Christ, if you've had an experience where Jesus has done something, whether it's emotionally or physically or spiritually or relationally. Just write it, just sometime during the service, I want you to write, I once, I was, but now. And what did he do for you? I'd love to hear that story. Flip over the car real quick, and now I'll write this. I am. I am. And at the bottom, write, but... One of the best words in all the Bible. I will be. And I would love, because there's not every, every one of us in this room can write, I don't know if you can write the front card, front side, but on the other side, every one of us can write, I am. And I want you to write down the thing that you want Jesus Christ to set you free from. And at the bottom, when you say, but I will be, I want you to picture it. I want you to see it. And I want you to believe that it can happen. All right? And so you can begin to do that. We're going to share one story with you of a sweet couple here at K2 who began to experience God doing this in their life. So let's watch Dan and Laura. So um, I heard about Break Free of Celebrate Recovery at a women's retreat that I was on. Um, I think probably a lot of the suggestion as to why I should go through the program um, was because I was very, it was hard to advance in a relationship with Christ because I was so mad at circumstances that had happened. And so the suggestion was, I had a really good friend that I had made who suggested that she had gone through it when she was trying to process through some things in her life. 
and that it may be a really good way um, to be able to with a regimen and program to process through those things. Um, and as we got into the program, um, realized that there was a lot of things for me personally that I had not healed from, um, from when my mom died. It really helped me to recognize that I was angry at God. <laughs> um, being able to reconcile that and to know um, without doubt that God was okay with that and that it was okay to express to him just the very bold truth of all of the parts of my life that I was feeling. And to be able to process through things that happened to me as a kid that I didn't think affected me as an adult, um, but that do. And to be able to be mindful of those things as I'm raising my kids. It brought our relationship, it brought us closer together in our own personal relationships. I think it's changed the way we're able to interact with each other in our relationship because we have that same background that we're coming from and can help each other process through things a little bit differently. Life is stressful. Um, we're going through a lot of stress right now mm -hmm. and just the, the ability, the stuff that we learn going through this program, we're able to bounce that off of each other and with other friends and uh, acquaintances we have. Um, here at K2, it's just the skills that we learned from uh, this program has really helped us to better our family. Had we not been going through the celebrate recovery, I don't know that we would be in the place that we're at right now and being able to follow God and to um, enter into an a impossible journey. I don't think five years ago we would have even considered to do some of the things that we have been doing nowadays. Um, you know, with uh, foster care and adoption and just opening up our homes to, uh, to people who, to kids who aren't our own and who need our help. Um, without um, the help and support that we've gotten here, I don't think we would have been able to accomplish it. So here's how it works, you guys. Dan and Laura got their life back, and now because they are, because of what happened, because of God working in their midst, they are now opening their lives, and other kids now are getting their lives back because of what's happening. This is what God wants to do in every human being. He wants to help you and I be fully the person he created us to be so that we can impact this world with his grace and with his love and bring new life. And so, this, so when we're done with this series, starting in June, Celebrate Recovery, which they mentioned, is a ministry that we're going to be starting here. And I just want to say again, if you're interested in helping with Celebrate Recovery, the 11.30 today, the second service, there's a meeting in the cafeteria. And if you can't make this one, they'll have another one next Sunday at 11.30 if you'd be interested in coming alongside and helping develop this, all right? Okay. So, I am, but I will be. Let's pray, and let's ask God to absolutely convince you today that he can meet you right where you're at. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for the truth we're going to look at. Thank you for revealing to us who you are. Thank you, God, for your amazing love for everyone in this room. Thank you, you, you are no respecter of persons. There's not a soul in this, in this auditorium here today that you don't love deeply. I pray on their behalf in the name of Jesus Christ that you would touch that one thing that's holding them back.
And we pray today that you would help move them forward to real freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hebrews 11.6 says this. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, you know, it kind of makes sense, right? The first thing you got to do is you have to believe that God actually exists. But what's interesting, for some reason, when, we, when he gets to the tough stuff in our life, sometimes it feels like he's just not there, right? So for me and Susie and our story, um, Ma- Mariah would not be alive today, right, from, from our birth experience. And uh, Susie's contractions were so intense that they literally were going off the monitor. We couldn't even see them. And so eventually, Mariah's heartbeat just flatlined, and they said it was because Susie's contractions were so tight, they literally were strangling her. So the next thing you know, I'm sitting in there, right, the first time gonna be dad, and next thing you know, eight people are rushing in with the scrubs and, and get, the, get the dad some scrubs, we gotta, and I, I'm just freaking out. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You know, in, in the class I took, we're supposed to listen to music, right? And eat snacks and stuff like that. And it, it was like, it was none of that. I mean, it was like life or death. So again, thank God for the medical community, for somebody who could do something about it. So when Ashlyn, when it was time for Ashlyn to be born, Susie was like, I am not going through that again. Give me the epidural, right? So we walk in, get in the hospital room, the medical staff walk in, that's the first thing she says is, I'm having an epidural. <laughs> and, and they looked at her and they said, okay, honey, that's fine. We'll make sure you get one. You're just not even close yet. Okay. So they walk out. I'm five minutes. I mean, it, it, I don't know what it was. Susie's like, get the medical staff. I'm like, what? What's going on? She goes, I'm going to have this baby. I'm like, no, you can't do this. Just get them. You know? So I run out. I open up the doors, and it's a horror movie. There's nobody there. <laughs> and I start screaming, help, help. And she's like, get back in here. You told me to go get back in. I mean, it was just insane. <laughs> they finally come running into the room, and sure enough, man, Susie's, she just, she just dilated. It was time. They're like, I'm sorry, we can't give you an epidural. <laughs> that was number two. <laughs> but I know some of you guys really... When it's intense like that, you go to God and it's like you open up the heavens and you're like, hello? Where are you? And it's at times like those, we gotta believe that he exists. But what it says is you must believe that he exists. And I'm gonna guess, we're not gonna go there today, it's not today's message. Um, My guess is most of us in this room, or at least at that point where we believe that there is a God. But we have to believe that he exists. And the real question is, who's he? Who is he? So if you're going to open up the doors, who is this God? And it will be what we believe about what I'm going to share with us today that will help us to know if we'll ever get to the point where we'll trust him. So three things really quickly. And by the way, it's going to be a little bit different today. Because I'm just going to mainly from this point on, I'm just going to kind of let God just speak to you straight from his word. And I'll just throw a little comments in. Because you just need to hear from him today. Here's the first thing that we need to understand about God. When we have stuff that's taken us down and it feels like we can't overcome it. Number one is God knows. God knows. And I want to tell you, man, there's nothing, right, like going to a doctor because you have symptoms and you go to a doctor, is there anything worse 
than going to the doctor, taking all the tests, and you come back in and they're like, I don't know. Is there anything worse? It's like you, you, you almost want to just say, come on, man, that's killing me. You want to be able to go to somebody and have them tell you, I know exactly what the problem is. So here it is. When it comes to your soul, God knows. Psalm 139, 1 through 3. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. Isn't that cool? An examination has occurred from the doctor. And he's examined your heart. And he knows everything. He knows everything about you. You know when I sit, when I stand, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You discern my going out and my lying down. You know everything that I do. So the first thing that we understand is, and when you're trying to figure out, like, why can't I overcome this stuff? Why, remember Romans 7 last week? Why do I do the thing that I don't want to do? And why don't I do the thing that I want to do? Why, wh- why am I like this? God's going, <clears throat> I know. <laughs> I know your heart. I know your thoughts. I know everything you do. So here's what that means, you guys. He knows everything that has happened to you. He knows everything that was ever said to you and how that impacted your brain. He knows everything that you've experienced, every experience that you've encountered. And so he knows also not only what's happened to you, he also knows every choice you've ever made. And he knows what those consequences are. So because of that, God is the only one who really knows deep down the root cause of every behavior that now enslaves you. He knows. (laughs) He knows what it is. And then Psalm 56, 8 says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You, this is such a beautiful verse. You have collected all my tears in your bottle and you have recorded each one in your book. See, so God doesn't know, just know what, what's happened. He doesn't just know what the cause is. He knows Every tear you have ever shed, yes, even for all you burly men who act like you never shed one. He knows what happened behind closed doors, and he's collected every one of them. He knows the state of your heart today. And Psalm 31, 7 says this, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles And you care about the anguish of my heart. So the first thing we need to know about God is he's absolutely fully aware. I often say this when I'm in my own prayer time with God, is I go, God, I'm so glad that you know what I don't. I I can't even figure myself out. But you do. You know me. Number two, in that we just that verse just said, number two, here's what's true about God, and that is that he cares. He cares. It's so wild to watch a father and a mother care for their child and to watch a husband care for the wife that he loves. And God says, okay, that's good, but you guys are goofy. I'm so much better than you are. You need to know how much I love you. Luke, Luke 11 says this, which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? <laughs> or if he asked for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you, then, though you're evil. And again, that word just means bad. It's, if you, even you, who are struggling to kind of get your act together, if you know that you don't give scorpions and snakes, then how you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God wants to give you his spirit, which we'll get to in a second because that's what we need. Now, here's what I'm going to do with you. Uh, I'm going to share with you this next passage. And if you've been a K2 for years or if you know me, this, this is it right here, man. When I get to the place where I start to believe that God does not love me anymore, and I'm just going to be totally honest with you, right? Christian for 30 years. I've been in ministry for 27 years. I get, I th- you know, I've got my master's in theology. I understand what the Bible says. I know the Bible tells me God loves me. But sometimes I just don't believe it. And there's a difference between knowing it and believing it. And when you know it, but you don't believe it, whew, that's tough. There is one place I go, and I'm going to read it for you today. And if you got this thing, man, write this one down. Read it, put it in your phone, get it on your fridge, stick it on your mirror. I, I need this all the time. Here we go. It's Romans. Anybody want to guess? Romans 8. Romans 8. Here we go. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is huge. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, this starts to be a pat verse. You're like, oh, you just always, I'm telling you, this is no pat verse, man. This one, when life is kicking you in the tail, when stuff is overcoming you and when you can't control yourself, this verse right here is great hope. Remember we talked about that last week? It's like some of you are at the place where you have no more hope because whatever situation you're in, it, you can't beat it. Well, God is saying to you, I work in what? All things for the good. And that means everything that has been done to you, that means everything that you have ever done. Everything that you have ever done where all your shame lies and all your regret lies, all the stuff that you're hiding from the rest of the world, God goes, come on, man, let me in. Because I can do that. I can take that thing and I can make good out of it. Romans 8, 20, or keep, keep going, I'm 29. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So what, this is great hope. God loves you so much that he says, here's, here's my whole plan, is I actually want to conform you into the image of Jesus. Anybody want to look like Jesus? That, what? Okay. Um, no, not really. You know? The beard's a little scraggly. Not sure if I'm in that outlook. All right. So come on. What is, if he wants to conform you into the life of his son, that means he wants you to be completely free. I'm telling you, completely free and ultimately free from sin, which means Jesus actually had perfect power to always say yes to God, always. And ultimately, what God wants to do through Christ in us and conforming us into the image of his son is to have other brothers and sisters, right? The first of many brothers and sisters who now as well finally have the power to say yes to God where I couldn't do it before. 
And when you start saying yes to God, you find out, oh my goodness, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And he wants to conform you into that. So that's great. That's the most important thing. And then you get all the, the, the benefits that you become secure as a human being. You become humble and free and loving and full of joy and peace. And you bring blessing to other people. Anybody want to look like that? Yes. God loves you. And that's his desire for you. So verse 31 says, so if God's for us, who can be against us? Okay, come on, man. That's short. You can memorize that one. And I do. And I need to remember all the time, no matter what happens around me, if God is for me, you guys need to know this. Please listen to this. Let God, he's for you. See, this is the dupe of the, of the enemy, the spiritual battle, right, from the Garden of Gethsemane from the very beginning was God is not for you. He's holding back on you. He doesn't love you. So go after other stuff because that's going to actually help you. So we went after everything else. Now we're all enslaved. And the whole reason we do that is because ultimately you don't think that God is for you. And I just want to man, today he is for you. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And here's what I want to tell you, man. You guys know this. Love is not a feeling. Now, there is love that is feeling, right? But love is not a feeling. And when you're not feeling like God loves you, all, it always goes back to, hold on a second. If, if, like if God was here, I think he would say, hold on a second, wait, wait, wait. I gave you my son, Dang it, I should have brought Caleb up here. I'm telling you right now, man, if I had my sweet boy standing next to me and I would have to sacrifice him so that you could benefit, forget you. <laughs> right? I don't love you that much. So if God would sacrifice his son for you. And now he's going to go, yeah, but you know, I don't really want to help you with that other stuff. But that's what we struggle with. We actually think he doesn't going to love us and he doesn't care. And the cross of Jesus Christ is what tells every one of you in this room, I gave you my son, man. How will I not graciously give you everything you need? Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one. Christ, Jesus, who died more than that, who's raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding for us. And I love this, man. Who's going to bring a charge against you? Well, I'll tell you, right? I got tons of people bringing lots of charges against me because I've messed up my life. I've hurt other people. And yes, they have pulled their love away from me. And they're judging me. Oh, you want to know who's condemning me? Me. <laughs> Every time I look in the mirror, all I see is what I've done and what I can't be. Anybody relate to this? See, and God goes, well, cool. <laughs> then let me in. Because when you receive Jesus, I wipe all that junk out and all I see is beauty. There is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's good news. He loves you, man. He loves you. So verse 35, so who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine? 
or nakedness or danger or sword or alcohol or drugs or pornography or overworking or overeating or overspending? What will separate you from his love? Your uncontrollable emotions of anger and bitterness, your fear, your anxiety, your insecurity, your hurtful relationship patterns? Verse 37, no, (laughs) no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nothing that's holding you down, neither height nor debt nor anything in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you guys celebrate that, man. That is, that's the greatest news in all the freaking world. And the world's pretty freaky. God knows and God loves. And number three, God can. There's God can. Man, there's nothing like finding a doctor, right, who doesn't just know what's going on, but finding one who actually has the skill to do it. It's huge. And here's where we get to Jesus. How do we know that God can do something about your situation? His resurrection. You guys, that's why we celebrate Easter. Don't forget his resurrection. You are more than conquerors through him. You are more than conquerors in whatever you're going through, through him who loves you. Why through him? Because Jesus Christ is the only one who took every temptation that you've had, who went through everything that you go through on this earth, and he beat it. He was victorious, and he never gave in. There was never any sin in him, so he has power within himself. And that's why when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive this gift of God's Spirit in you. And it's God who can. So now let me just read some scripture. You guys ready for this? This is so good. You guys write down these ones too, and I'm gonna go fast. Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. I pray that out of, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You guys, he's calling every one of you today to hope. He's called you to hope. And I know some of you are like, I got no hope. Well, I'm telling you what, man, there's a good doctor. And he's calling you what? His glorious inheritance, because now you're like super duper rich, and the inheritance is his spirit. God has given you his spirit, and once you have it, God is going, man, I pray that you know the hope. And then he goes, and his incomparable, I pray that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. I love that verse. That power is the same as, he, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And who's that? Who's the church? You! How cool is that? That Jesus Christ is far above every power that's holding you down, and he's seated at the right hand of God, which is the symbol of absolute authority and power. And why is he sitting there? Who's he doing it for? Exactly. Yeah, thank you. It's cool. And then he goes on, Ephesians 3, he says, And I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how long and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you, all of you in this room, me, that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what he wants. To be rooted and established that you are loved. I thought that was going to tell me shut up. Okay. (laughs) That you are loved. Be rooted and established in that. And then once you know that I'm loved as an addict, I'm loved as an angry person, I'm loved as a fearful person, as a I'm loved, then his power can come. Now to him who is able to do, let's all say this one, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Here's what we need to know about God, you guys. He knows and he cares and he can. And you believe there's a God, right? Many of us do. But we got to figure out how to plug in to that power. And all God says is, you have to believe that I exist. The one who knows, cares, and, and, and has power. You have to believe that, and then you've got to receive me. you got to receive me. And I just want to tell you, man, today, there's simply one word that you need to say. It's a four-letter word, and I'm not going to swear. There's a four-letter word you got to say today. Help. Help. Remember last week? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And grace is God's free gift to empower you to do what you can't do. But that grace only comes to people who believe that he, he, the one who knows, cares, and can do something about it. He exists, and I believe that I can't do it anymore. And if you're a human being and you finally say, help, then you'll receive. So some say, so as our band comes forward today to close out our service, this morning, would you just simply say, help, because if, if, you, if you finally realize, oh my gosh, God loves me as messed up as I am. In fact, he only loves you guys. He doesn't love the good person you're trying to be. He loves who you really are. And he wants to touch that person. So be honest with him about the thing that you give in, give in, and as we do this last song, look up. And like I said last week, as soon as you step out, then you get hit with the rain. As soon as you humble yourself before God, we have a God who will come in and do amazing stuff and you will receive his power. The Holy Spirit is power, love, and self-control. Anybody want power? How many of you want to love? Anybody need some self-control? Then we say help. And it is grace, free grace that does it. So as a band, here's how I'd love to do this. As they start to sing the song, If in your heart you want to say help, think about what you wrote on the card 
and at any moment, as a sign of just your humility before God, just stand to sing. Whenever you're ready, just, stay, just stand, and that'll be your demonstration of just saying, God, I want help. You are, and I'm not. And then, as the song goes on, everybody else just stand, and let's sing, and let's worship him together.